Some days are easier than others to pray. I know that recently I've had a lot more to pray about. There's been circumstances that are on my mind. There's been people that I'm worried about, we're anxious about. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of changes, and this leads to a lot more prayer. How about you? Are you praying? Are you finding time to approach God and speak to Him? Are you remembering that because of Jesus, you have access to God? And then are you doing your best to find a a quiet place and a quiet time and a quiet heart to talk to God? Enabled by Jesus and helped by the Holy Spirit, are you pouring out your heart to God these days? Your sadness, your worry, your gratitude, your guilt, your joy. We have the privilege to take a master class on prayer from Jesus Himself as we study His words in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13, where He taught His disciples and now us how to pray. For the purpose of preaching through this section, I've identified three parts. In verses 5 through 8, we have prerequisites of prayer. In verse 9, we have a preface to prayer. And then in verses 10 through 13, we have petitions in prayer. So that is three parts, prerequisites, preface, and petition. Last time we were here, we looked into verses 5 through 6 and understood the first prerequisite to prayer, and now here we are with the second prerequisite in verses 7 through 8. And remember, wherever you are and whenever you are watching this, that we are opening up and we are studying and we are thinking about God's Word. These aren't just any words. This is not just any book. This is a book written by authors who were inspired by God to communicate to us His truth. Because God wants to reveal Himself to us. So in God's Word alone, we learn. We learn who we are. We learn who God is. Most importantly, we learn the good news of the Gospel. That is, what God has done to make it possible for us to be at peace with Him. For us to be reconciled to Him as sinners. For us to have a relationship with Him. And that is why at the beginning of every sermon, as far back as I can remember, I pray. And I'm praying that God will help me to communicate His Word. And that He will help you and help me to listen, to understand, and to apply His Word. So let me begin with prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for 
making yourself known to us through your word. Help us now to get it right. To understand what you have to say. And then help us to apply it. So would you reach our minds? Would you reach our hearts? And will you reach our will? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't already, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. This is the Word of God. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 5 and 6, prerequisite number 1 to prayer. And then here in verses 7 through 8, Jesus gives another prerequisite to prayer. This is something that we need to get, that we need to understand, that we need to apply if we are going to approach God and speak to Him. Jesus assumes here that we are going to approach God and we are going to speak to Him in prayer. And when we do, we should not do this. When you pray, do not, Jesus says, heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. So this is the second prerequisite to prayer that Jesus gives. The first was, don't be like the hypocrites who were insincere. And the second is, don't be like the Gentiles who heaped up empty phrases. So depending on the translation that you're reading, you will see that there are a few other ways to describe this prayer problem. The King James Version calls it, Vain repetition. The New American Standard calls it meaningless repetition. And the New International describes it simply, and I think most accurately, as babbling. Empty phrases, the ESV calls it. And Jesus says, it is the Gentiles who were guilty of this. That is shorthand for pagans, which is what the NIV says, or heathens, which is what the King James says, or the word that we would use today, we wouldn't say Gentiles, most of us wouldn't say pagans, most of us wouldn't say heathens, but we would say unbelievers. We would say non-Christians. So 2,000 years ago, just like today, People who did not know God, people who were not Christians, people who were unbelievers, they still were trying to pray to Him. That was going on 2,000 years ago, and that is going on today. People who do not know God were trying to pray to Him. They did not know who He was, and they did not know Him personally. And yet, they felt that He was out there and they strived to reach Him, to approach Him, and to speak to Him. Especially 
when circumstances left them physically, emotionally, or spiritually desperate. The same is true today. Even those who may not be Christians, who may not be believers of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, still, and especially when circumstances are physically, emotionally, spiritually tough, people are feeling that there is a God out there. And they are striving to reach Him, to approach Him, to speak to Him in prayer. That's what the Gentiles were doing in Jesus' day. And so to believers, Jesus says, do not do this. Do not heap up empty phrases. And then look, Jesus further describes this kind of praying at the end of verse 7 as, what does it say? Many words. So these prayers are empty and they are long. These prayers that Jesus is describing, they are empty and they are long. In Mark 12.40, some Wicked scribes were described by Jesus as those who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Now, here's a side note. Not every long prayer is bad. That is not what Jesus is saying. We're told in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, that Jesus on at least one occasion stayed up all night to pray. And he tells us in Luke 18:1 that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. There will be times. There will be times when you will be long in prayer and there is nothing necessarily wrong with that. But back to the text, there is something wrong with this. Believers Christians are being warned against this kind of prayer from Gentiles, from unbelievers that consists of empty phrases and many words. So let's make sure that we understand what this means. I mentioned earlier, the NIV translation accurately calls it babbling which is the same way William Perkins described it in the late 1500s. Wordy, empty, babbling. I'm sure it violates Ecclesiastes 5.2, which says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth, Therefore, let your words be few. Have you ever had a conversation with someone who is rash with their mouth? Have you ever had a conversation with someone or sat across the table from someone and listened to wordy, empty babbling? God does not enjoy it any more than you do. It's not a conversation, is it? It's one-sided. 
you don't feel like you're being talked with, you're being talked to or talked at. There's no listening on the other side of the table. There's no considering you or what you have said. There is no thoughtful response. Just babbling. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. So let's pause for a minute. How do we avoid that? How do we avoid in our conversation with God, in our prayers to God, how do we avoid this empty phrases with many words? How do we avoid babbling to God? Well, remember, prayer is a conversation with God. Timothy Keller has said that prayer is the continuation of a conversation that God has started. Think about that. Prayer is this continuation of a conversation with God that He has started. Now let me ask you a question. How has God started this conversation with you? I'll give you a hint. The Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is the words of God. You see, prayer is responding to God's Word. Prayer is not just meditation. Prayer is not emptying yourself of all thoughts. Prayer is not imaginative. Prayer is not one-sided babbling. Prayer is a response to what God has said to us. And God speaks to us through His Word. So, if we as Christians do not want to babble to God, if we do not want to have one-sided conversations to God, but rather have conversation with God, then what do we need to know? We need to know God's Word. Because it is through God's Word that He speaks to us. Isaiah 55, verses 10-11 through 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, God says. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. God says my word goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so God sends out His Word, His written Word to us so that we may know Him and respond to Him in prayer. Again, Timothy Keller writes, to understand the Scripture is not simply to get information about God. If attended to with trust and faith, the Bible is the way to actually hear God speaking and also to meet God Himself. 
And so to avoid babbling to God, a one-sided ranting conversation to God, we read His Word. We understand His Word. When you're taking time to pray, when you're looking for that quiet place and that quiet time and that quiet heart, do you begin with reading God's Word? Do you begin by opening God's Word? Do you find then that you are led into prayer? For example, you open up God's Word and you read about a promise that He has made to you. And your response in prayer is gratitude. God, thank you for this promise. Or maybe you read in a part of God's Word where He is giving an instruction, He is giving a command, He is telling you this is how I want you to live your life, and you are convicted as you read His Word because you know that you're falling short. And so in prayer, you communicate back to God, you respond back to God, and maybe you confess sin. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because I do this, will you please forgive me? Or maybe you're reading God's Word and you're reminded that He is there to help you. That He is there to get you through anything that is before you. And so you cry out to God in prayer and you ask Him to help you. You ask Him to give you strength. You ask Him to give you comfort. And why do you do any of those things? You do all those things because you're responding to what you know to be true about God. And you're appealing to Him in prayer. That is not babbling. That is prayer. That is continuing a conversation with God that He has started. Now, why did the Gentiles do that. We're told here in verse 7. Why were the Gentiles babbling? Why did they heap up these empty phrases and long-winded prayers? Look at the end of verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do for, here's the reason, they think that they will be heard for their many words. Why did these unbelievers heap up empty phrases? Why did these unbelievers have long-winded, wordy prayers? Why do many unbelievers today still pray to God, but their prayers are empty phrases and their prayers are full of many words. Why? We're told right here. They think that they will be heard because of their many words. Archibald Robertson correctly interprets this verse. The pagans thought that by endless repetitions and many words, they would inform their gods as to their needs and weary them into granting their requests. So they think 
that God perhaps is slow to understand. And so the many words are intended to bring God up to speed. Or they also may think He is indifferent toward them or even cold. And so flowery phrases and poetic repetition and impressive speech will move Him into action. But they are wrong. So to be clear, Jesus here is not condemning all long prayers, but rather, Jesus is warning against wordy prayers from people who think He's impressed by it. Let me say that again. Jesus here is warning against wordy prayers from people who think He's impressed by it. And so he returns to his instruction again in verse 8, do not be like them. And this is that second prerequisite to prayer. The first again was, do not be like the hypocrites when they pray because they are insincere. And then here, do not be like the Gentiles when they pray who heap up Empty phrases. Now, I want to pause and make sure we understand the real problem here. There often is the problem, and then there is the problem beneath the problem. There is the superficial issue, and then there is the issue beneath the issue. The Gentiles offered wordy and empty prayers. And that clearly was a problem. But there was something deeper. The Gentiles offered wordy and empty prayers because they thought God would be impressed by it. And that is a deeper problem. But there was something even deeper. These men and women thought that God would be impressed by flowery phrases and poetic repetition and well-crafted speech because they were Gentiles who did not know God. Again, this is the, this is the, the bottom of this problem. This is a a deep diagnosis of this issue in prayer. These men and women who are praying this way that Jesus is warning against, these men and women that thought that, that God would be impressed by their flowery speech and by their repetition and by their well-crafted speech, and they thought that God would be impressed by that because they were Gentiles who did not know God. That's the deepest problem. They don't know God. Which is why Jesus now says something stronger than what He said in verse 7, don't do what they do, He now says in verse 8, do not be like them. 
That's more significant than saying, don't do what they do. He now says, do not be like them. Do not be like them. Because they do what they do because they do not know me. God says. And they're lost. They don't know me. They don't know how to talk to me. They don't know what moves my heart and what doesn't. They don't understand my word. But Christian, Jesus is talking to us, but Christian, you know better. So there is a way to pray. Christian, think about this. There is a way to pray that is as if you don't know God personally or even know who He is. You don't want to pray like that. When Christians think that God will hear their prayers because of their many words, they are praying like unbelievers. Christian, you know better. God does not hear people based on how they pray. God hears people based on who they are. God does not hear people based on how they pray. God hears people based on who they are. And that is what Jesus reminds us of in verse 8. Let's read it together. Verse 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. There are two truths here. First, God knows what you need before you ask Him. God knows what you need before you ask Him. That confirms that a lot of the wordiness in prayers was and is intended to inform God. But that is just silly. God is not ignorant to what our needs are. He doesn't need to be told by us what is going on. God already knows. God knows what is going on. Not only that. Not only does God know what is going on. Not only is God the term is omniscient. He knows what you need. And that is comforting because so often I don't know what I need. Have you ever experienced that in your prayers? Where you come before God and you honestly say something like this to Him, God, I don't even know what to pray right now. I'm not even sure what to say right now. I don't even know what to ask for. I find that I almost always know what I want, but not nearly as often what I need. And so it is comforting to know that God always knows exactly what I need. While Jesus is obviously 
encouraging us to pray here. Some take this truth and they question why it's even necessary to pray if God already knows everything. John Chrysostom anticipated that objection. And he wrote, But if He already knows what we need, why do we pray? Not to inform God or instruct Him, but to beseech Him closely. To be made intimate with Him by continuance in supplication. To be humbled. To be reminded of our sins. Remember, prayer is communion with God. It's fellowship with God. It is pouring out our heart to God. And it's comforting here to know that the reason we pray to God with full hearts, the reason we open up to Him sincerely, the reason we're not concerned so much with the form of our prayer as much as the sincerity of our prayer, the reason that we don't heap up empty phrases is that we know that God already knows what we need. And second, there's a second truth. It is even more profound. This God who knows everything, this God who knows what you need before you even ask Him, He is your Father. Your Father. Not just God in heaven knows what you need. Your Father, this God who knows everything, This God who knows exactly what you need before you ask Him. What is His relationship to you? He is your perfect heavenly Father. You see, this is the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. This was the difference as Jesus spoke between His disciples and the Gentiles. A believer is a child of God. Christian, you know God as your heavenly Father. And He knows exactly what you need. You will be heard not because of how you pray, but because of who you are. His child. Listen to this heart this Father has for you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, If you then, speaking to earthly parents, Jesus said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? You are a child of God. And just like an earthly parent, a good earthly parent, sinful as they are, wants to give good things to their children and wants to give their children exactly what they need as far as they can and is good for them even what they want. How much more will a perfectly heavenly Father give to His children what they ask of Him? That is God's heart for you as His child. Isaiah 
Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. God hears you. God is listening. God is responding. God is answering before you even pray. Before you're even done praying. In Psalm 145.19, He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Your heavenly Father hears your cry. He saves you. He wants to grant you even the desires of your heart because He's a good Father. Ephesians 3.20, even more than that. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. So even more than what you ask for. Even more than what you think you would like. Even more than what you think you need. God is giving more than that according to the power that is at work within us. You, Christian, will not be heard because your prayers are long. You will be heard because God is your Father and He loves you. And so we do not pray to beg God or to persuade Him, or to convince Him. We pray sincerely, and simply, and directly to God, who is our Father. And that kind of praying, not empty phrases, not wordiness, but that kind of prayer that is sincere and simple, and direct. It reflects our faith in God. And it reflects our belief that we are His children and that He knows exactly what we need. And so that kind of prayer is pleasing to God. And so Jesus advocates it as He teaches us here how to pray. In conclusion, Do you know God as your Heavenly Father? Next Sunday, God willing, we will think more about what it means to have and to pray to God as our Father. But right now, can you say about God that He is your Heavenly Father? He becomes to you a father through adoption. And adoption happens after you are justified by God based on your faith in Jesus Christ. If you have not believed the Gospel that Jesus came and lived and suffered and died and rose from the dead in your place so that You could be reconciled to God to love Him and to worship Him forever. If you have not believed that good news, believe it now. And trust Jesus for salvation and life. For those of you who are Christians, and you know God as your Father, I hope you have been reminded of this sweet truth that God is your Father and He knows what you need before you even 
Ask him and he hears and answers your prayer. Maybe he doesn't answer when you want him to. Or even the way you want him to. But that's because, unlike you, he knows exactly what you need. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Will you take it now as we think about this truth? Will you remind us of it in this week to come? And will you help us now to apply it? We pray, God, that we would live differently. That our prayers would even change. That we would come to You with sincerity. That we would not heap up empty phrases before You or become long-winded or wordy in our prayers to impress You or others, but that we would remember that You are our Father and You know exactly what we need. And that we would come before You and pour out our hearts to You in prayer. Help us, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.